the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The following program is sponsored by the National Prayer Chapel. Since I found in him a friend so strong and true, I would tell you how he changed my life completely. He did something that no other friend could do. No one ever cared for me like Jesus. There's no other friend so kind as he. No one else could take the sin and darkness from me. Oh, how much he cared for me. All my life was full of when Jesus found me, all my heart was full of misery and woe. Jesus placed his strong and loving arms around me, and he led me in the way I ought to go. No one ever cared for me. Jesus, there's no other friend so strong as he. No one else could take the sin and darkness from me. Oh, how much he cared for me. Someday I see his blood. 
cared for me like Jesus. There's no other friend so kind as he. No one else could take the sin and darkness from me. Oh, how much he cared for me. has ever cared for me like Jesus. His love is, is overwhelming. He comes and he reaches down in the bottom of the barrel. He grabbed me and he pulled me out. Now I've spent my life serving him In college, I majored in theology. In graduate school, I did the Bachelor of Divinity. I've spent my years searching the scriptures, studying theology, understanding the issues of salvation. But there is something much greater than theology. There is something much greater than knowing the scriptures. For the devil knows the scriptures. It's important to study theology. It's important to know the doctrines of the church. It's important to know the orthodox doctrines of the church. But that's not enough. There must be also of revelation to our hearts of the crucifixion of our Lord who died for my sin, who died for your sin. There must be a revelation that there is a resurrection beyond the cross. This can't be just intellectual. This has to be very personal for Jesus, the gospel is very, very personal. It's not an intellectual exercise that God has gone through in figuring out how to plan out this salvation process. This cost him his blood. It's very personal. Now I know today some of you may not understand what I've been doing this week. I've been very vulnerable. I've been very honest about my deep love for Jesus. Some of you may even be embarrassed by my expression of overt love for my Lord. 
Please understand what I've been trying to say to you all this week, and I will be saying again today and the rest of the week. I'm trying to say, this salvation, this atonement, this this gift of grace is all very personal to me. It's not something that I engage in and then walk away and do something else. I, I was raised in the Seventh-day Adventist Church. Now, I left the Adventist Church because of my many disagreements with their theology. The Lord led me out. The Lord may need to lead you out of the Catholic Church, or he may need to lead you out of the Baptist Church or another Reformed Church. He led me out of the Adventist Church. But I remember one chapel program in seminary where a professor came from a a leading university, from a seminary. And his presentation that day was on the wonder of Abraham's Heschel expression of the Sabbath. Abraham Heschel was a a wonderful Jewish rabbi, a teacher. And he wrote a book about the Sabbath. And this man waxed eloquent about the Sabbath. And the concept was that the Sabbath was a cathedral in time that God built a cathedral in time. He didn't build a cathedral in the physical realm. He built one in the spirit realm. And this professor was speaking about the wonder of the Sabbath and how he loved the Sabbath. Now, in a Seventh-day Adventist seminary, that was music to our ears. At the conclusion of his presentation, we all gave him a standing ovation. And then he said, do any of you have any questions? And one bright, brave seminary student stood up and he said, Sir, do you keep the Sabbath day holy? This professor looked like he'd been kicked in the gut. He finally fumbled out No, I don't keep the Sabbath. I'm just doing theology. I'm just doing theology. And with that, there were no more questions asked, and the service closed, and he quickly made his escape. He had been utterly uncovered as a hypocrite, as a man who just does theology. Well, I want to say to you, I have not come to this broadcast to do theology. I've come here to talk about a very personal issue for me, and that is my relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. I love him with all of my heart. I am sold out to him. Every action I take is judged in my heart by whether it will draw me closer to Jesus or push me away. I don't watch television because watching television made it almost impossible for me to read the scriptures. 
and it's in the scriptures that I find life. It's in the scriptures that I find my Lord Jesus. I read the Gospels to learn about what Jesus did here. And then I go to the Psalms, as one brother said, and that's where I really learn about his character. I want my life to be in perfect accord with the will and the way of Jesus Christ. I am not willing to compromise that. Now, some of you are immediately beginning to think about the ways you are compromising with Jesus. Some of you are shacked up with a woman you're not married to. Some of you are lusting after money and you have a Balaam spirit. Some of you are are workaholics, never taking time to be with Jesus. Some of you sit for hours on the internet or on social media, but you never sit with Jesus and meditate on his word and let him speak to your heart. Why? Because there is a distance between you and Jesus. And I'm here to tell you that distance is deadly to your life. Jesus is coming again. And he's going to take home those who know him. Those whom he knows. That is, he's going to take those who are intimate with him, not those who know the theology about him. Not those who go to church and have a good time and are inspired and shed a few tears and have a few laughs. He's not going to take those people to heaven. Are you kidding me? He's going to take those who love him passionately, earnestly, eagerly, And he's going to do the same to them. Now this week I've been sharing with you the dark valley yesterday, the devil storm on Monday. I pray you'll listen to all of it. It's all connected. Now today I'm going to continue sharing John Bunyan's story of Pilgrim's Progress as Christian makes his way through the valley of the shadow of death. We all go through, as I shared on Monday, the valley of humiliation, and it's there that we are often most bitterly attacked. We are humiliated by our actions, our words. We say one thing and we do another. We reach out and we say something and then we don't act on it. We cut them off. We cut the the actions off. We're humiliated when we're rejected and cast aside as worthless. We're humiliated when we're not successful in our job. We're humiliated by our children. In the midst of all of that humiliation, 
Jesus comes and gives us the victory over Apollyon. Because the devil comes with accusations and judgments. And Jesus comes and says, drop your judgments. Don't have any accusations. Forgive those who have wronged you. And you must very quickly say, yes, Jesus, in your name I forgive them. I hold no grudge against their arrows that they have cast at me because it wasn't them casting the arrow. It was the devil. It was Apollyon. He's trying to take you out. So don't be discouraged. Jesus comes and gives you the victory. And then he moved from the valley of humiliation directly into the valley of the shadow of death. This is a dark and dank place. This is a place of great discouragement. It's a place of great depression and fear. And we we lose sight of our Savior in the darkness and in the desperateness of our situation, whether it be emotional or financial or spiritual. And we say, has Jesus left me? No. He said he'd never leave you or forsake you. Jesus has not left you. If you're listening to this broadcast, you have not committed the unpardonable sin. There is still a calling of the Spirit in your heart. But he wants you to love him. He wants you to earnestly seek after him. Mark the 11th, no, Luke the 11th chapter. Ask, seek, knock. He'll send his Holy Spirit. So I'm going to share in the midst of the journey. He's completely overcome and he says, what shall I do now? That is the most important question you can ask Jesus. Fears rise up and block us. Judgments rise up and block us. We must turn to Jesus and say, Jesus, what must I do now? O Lord, I beseech you, deliver my soul. Now he continued in this way for a long time. But the flames of hell were reaching out toward him. He heard tortured voices and sounds of things rushing and scurrying back and forth. And sometimes Christian thought he was going to be torn to pieces or trampled down like mud in the streets. You recognize he's using metaphors, but how often have you felt like this? I have many, many, many times. Christian saw these frightful sights. He heard the dreadful noises for several miles of his journey. And adding to his troubles, he came to a place where he thought he heard a company of demons coming forward to meet him. Christian stopped to think about how best to meet this new enemy. For a brief moment, he thought about turning back. But then thought that perhaps he was halfway through the valley. He also remembered how he'd already vanquished many dangers and that the danger of going back might be worse than the dangers ahead of him. 
So he made up his mind to continue going forward. The demons seemed to come closer, nearer and nearer. But when they were almost upon him, Christian cried out, I will walk in the strength of the Lord God. So they turned around and went back from where they had come. I will walk in the strength of the Lord God. I will walk in the strength and the love of my Lord Jesus. He has never let me down. He has never forsaken me. He has called me to leave the darkness and walk in the light. He has called me to confess my sin first to him and then to my brother and sister. He's asked me to make restitution. He's asked me to drop all judgments. He's asked me to forgive everyone. And I have. And the joy of the Lord is in my heart. I walk in the strength of my Lord Jesus. You're listening to Pilgrim's Progress. I'm sorry, I didn't say that. If you're new to the broadcast, I'm the pastor of the National Prayer Chapel in Woodbridge, Virginia. We are still more than $1,000 short of our goal to be able to pay the broadcast bill for January. And so just a heads up, instead of doing an offertory, I'm going to take next week off. I won't be here. It'll all be pre-recorded. I'm going to take a week for prayer and fasting. And I'm asking Jesus what I should do about this January bill. I have no means of paying it without your help. And so... If you'd like to help, you're welcome. If the Holy Spirit prompts you, but I'm not pushing you. I'm going to go and isolate and be with Jesus. I won't be available. I'm going to take a week for fasting and prayer. I'll be back on President's Day. So I'll be gone the full week. I ask, please, would you pray for me? Would you lift me up before Jesus and ask him to give me clear direction regarding what I need to do about this broadcast and about the church and about a number of personal issues? Jesus shows me something in a dream or a vision and then it's partially fulfilled and my heart is filled with joy. And then suddenly everything shifts and changes. And that's when I walk through the valley of the shadow of death and I say, Lord, I don't know what to do, but I have made up my mind. I'm going to walk in the strength of the Lord God and I am going to wait upon you because I know what you have ordered and I'm not going to walk in unbelief. I'm not going to betray you by making any judgments or any accusations. I am going to rejoice in you, my Lord, 
but I'm going to fast and pray before you. I'm going to meditate upon the word. I'm going to be in a place where no one will know me, where I can just isolate. It is a week of spiritual retreat for me, and I desperately need that with Jesus. He's called me. He's opened the way. So I'm going to go. But please, pray for me. I need the direction of the Holy Spirit. There are things that are not completed that need to be completed. There are people who need to contact us or contact me. All I know to do is pray, and I'm going to do that. how I love Jesus. He is so utterly faithful. I put my hand in his hand. I used to listen to a, a record that my mother and father had. We played it on what was called a phonograph, if you have any idea what that is. It was Ben Glanzer, a soloist. I don't know the name of the song, but the theme of the song was I walk hand in hand with my Lord Jesus. That's what I'm doing. And I'm on this radio broadcast to please ask you to come and walk hand in hand with Jesus to let his love fill your heart, to repent of your sin, to begin to act in righteousness by his power, to be purified and made holy and entirely sanctified by his grace, by the power and presence of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit has been so very close to me this week. Some very painful things have happened for me. But with that painful stuff, Jesus has been so close by his spirit. He has walked with me. He has dwelt in me. He has guided me. He has opened the way and instructed my path. I pray you don't think I'm foolish for talking this way about Jesus, but how else can I talk about him? He's the love of my soul. He's the love of my heart. If you're embarrassed, it's okay. Come and find out for yourself how wonderful Jesus is. And he will meet you. And he will carry you. And you're to wait upon him. And he will open the way before you and instruct every step that you're to take. Now you can tell by the material I'm sharing with you out of Pilgrim's Progress. This is not an easy walk. And it must be very, very intentional with very real decisions every day. 
Pilgrim or Christian, he writes, by this time I noticed that poor Christian was so confounded that he did not recognize his own voice. And just when he came near the mouth of the burning pit, one of the wicked ones stepped up softly behind him and whispered many grievous blasphemies to him, which Christian truly thought had come from his own mind. It grieved Christian more than anything that he'd ever met with before to, th to think that he should now blaspheme him whom he loved. Though in truth Christian had not done that, he wished to stop the wicked thought, but did not have the maturity to simply plug his ears, to silence the lies and rebuke the wicked one who spoke to him. He didn't recognize their source. Now, please, I know how often that has happened to me, where the devil has come and whispered in my heart and my in my mind, things that I would never say and never think. And I have had to learn to totally disown every evil, wicked thought and say, that's not who I am. I am a servant of my Lord Jesus. Now, Satan, be gone in the name that is above all names, the name of Jesus. His blood is against you, and I stand against you. And those thoughts must leave my heart now. And they evaporate, fade away, as though they'd never been. I hear in the Spirit that there are some of you today who are filled with utter discouragement and despair because Satan has come and lied to you about your walk with Jesus. He's told you lies that Jesus doesn't care, that he doesn't love you, that he's never going to deliver you. One of the favorite one of Satan's favorite lies is, if it's going to be, it's up to me. No, it's not. If it's going to be, it's up to Jesus. I don't run my own life. And I utterly reject the temptation that came to Jesus. Make these stones into bread. Prove that you're a godly person. Prove that, that you can take care of yourself. No, I cannot take care of myself. I will not take care of myself. I am taken care of by the mighty God of heaven. His name is Jesus. And I unashamedly before you say to you, my trust and my love belong to my Lord, and I serve him and him alone. And I hear some of you in the Spirit. You've believed these wicked words of the devil. You've believed the judgments. You've believed the rebukes. You've thought it was Jesus. It wasn't. Jesus does not come and cast us down. Jesus doesn't come and accuse us before Satan. Satan comes and accuses us before Jesus. Do you understand that? It's not Jesus who 
is hard on us. It's the devil who's hard on us. And he lies. And he kills. And he whispers wicked things into our heart. And some of you have said, well, if these wicked thoughts are always going to be in my heart, then I can't follow Jesus and I might as well just go do what I want to do. No, it's the devil. He's come and he's spoken into your mind and into your heart. Reject him. Cast him down in the name of Jesus. This is not truth. These are lies from the pit of hell. Don't be deceived, dear brother. Don't be deceived, dear sister. Jesus loves you. And he came to pay the atoning price. And he calls you to repent and get serious with him and become intimate with him. And you can't do that while you're walking in sin. You just can't do it. Let me turn quickly to a scripture if I can find it here. In John, the Gospel of John, chapter 14, I'll begin reading with verse 12. Truly, truly, In other words, this is reality. Listen up. I say to you, the one believing in me, the works that I do, that one will also do, and he will do greater things than these because I am going to my Father. In fact, whatever you may ask in my name, this I will do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you may ask me anything in my name, I will do it. This is not just for every person. This is for the man or the woman who comes very close to Jesus and hears him and knows him and loves him and walks day by day as a sold-out, serious lover of Jesus. He then, in verse 15, puts a nail in this. If you may love me, you must keep my commandments. If you love me, you must keep my commandments. In other words, there's no love in your heart for Jesus if you don't obey his commandments. So if you're still chewing, if you're still smoking, if you're still drinking, if you're still carousing, if you're still going to the club, if you're still fornicating, if you're still angry and bitter and and not forgiving, if you're still shopping till you drop, if you're still a glutton for food, if you're still walking in all the ways of this world, you may go to church, but you don't love Jesus. See, Jesus came to destroy the devil's work in your life. That's what he means by love. Love is real. It's not sentimental. It's not just emotional. It changes us. It renews us. It restores us to his image. Now notice, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper, and he may remain with you forever. The Spirit of truth, 
whom the world is not able to receive because it does not perceive him or know him, but you know him because he remains with you and he will be in you. So you can know all the theology. You can even be a preacher. But if you don't know Jesus, if he is not in you by the power and presence of the Holy Spirit, and if you are not obeying his commands, if you're still walking in in sin, you don't know Jesus. You just know theology. You know the Reformed theology of the sinning Christian. You stand under the false banner that grace has been imputed to me and grace covered my sins. And now when Jesus looks at me, he doesn't see me, he just sees himself. You can come up with all kinds of false teaching, but you don't know Jesus. I will not leave you as orphans. I am coming to you. Yet a short time, and the world sees me no longer. But you are seeing me, because I live, you also will live. I live because Jesus lives with me and in me. Otherwise, I would be gone, I would be dead. My physical body is alive, because Jesus lives in me. I've come very close to death on many occasions with sickness, with accident. He saved me. My life belongs to him. He says, I will will also live. And on that day you will know that I am in union with my Father, and you are in union with me, and I am in union with you. That is, we're one. The one having my commandments and keeping them, that one is the one loving me. What are his commandments? The commandments are to love my brother with all my heart and to love God with all of my heart. That sums up the Ten Commandments. And in the New Covenant, the Ten Commandments are written in my heart. And I walk in love with Jesus. And the one loving me will be loved by my Father, and I will love him and will manifest myself to him. I will show myself to him. Is Jesus a hidden mystery from you? Then it's because you're too far away from him and you're still walking in sin and darkness. Hmm. Jesus said in verse 23, this is John fourteen twenty-three. If anyone may love me, he will keep my word and my father will love him And we will come to him and will make a dwelling place with him. The one not loving me does not keep my word. And the word that you hear is not mine, but the Father's, the one having sent me. I've spoken these things to you while yet remaining with you. 
but the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, that one will teach you all things and will remind you of all the things that I've said to you. I live peace with you. I give you my grace. Not as the world gives do I give. Your heart must not be troubled. It must not be afraid. Now, if you go over here to 1 John. 1 John, the second chapter. And by this we know that we have known him. That is, we know we are intimate with him. The word known is the same word used for union between a husband and a wife. It is coming into total union with Jesus. If we may continue to keep his commandments, we know we are in Jesus. We know we have union with him. If we are obeying him, if we're not walking in sin, and then he continues, verse 4, the one saying, I have known him, but is not continuing to keep his commandments. He is a liar, and the truth is not in this person. But whoever may keep his word, truly in this person the love of God has been perfected. By this we know that we are in him. The one claiming to continue in him ought to walk so as to walk just as Christ also walked. The one claiming to be in the light, verse 9, and yet hating his brother, that is being indifferent to his brother, not concerned. That person is in the darkness. The one loving his brother continues in the light, but enticement to sin is not in him. But the one hating his brother is in the darkness and walks in the darkness and does not know where he's going because the darkness has blinded his eyes. My brother, my sister, do you hear the word today? Jesus wants you to repent of your sin and to turn away from the darkness. There is no such thing as unconditional love. There is a day of great judgment and sorrow coming. And you must be ready for that day. It is almost upon us. And that means you must turn to Jesus with all your heart. And you must ask him to forgive you for your sin. And no longer make peace with your sin by continuing to walk in it and lying to yourself that Jesus doesn't care that he did it all for you at the cross. What he did at the cross was pay the price so that you could be saved. But now, by his power, he must redeem you from the devil's camp and bring you into his camp, into his light, into his glory. He must bring you into the gospel of Jesus. This is extremely personal to Jesus. Remember the, the wedding feast with the five wise and the five foolish? And the five foolish went off to buy lamp oil. And when they came and knocked on the door, the master said, I'm sorry, I don't know you. And they said, but, but we know you. No, you don't. 
No, you don't. You're never intimate with me. You, you didn't prepare yourself for the wedding feast, and you are locked out and cast into utter darkness. Half of the church cast into outer darkness because they never became intimate with Jesus and turned away from their sin and repented and came and became repentant, repentant sinners who turned and walked in Jesus in righteousness and were saved by his mercy and his grace. Jesus has the power to redeem your life from every sin, every addiction, every wicked thought. There's nothing Jesus can't do for you. Will you turn now to Jesus? And will you repent? Will you get on your face before a holy God and say, I have been casual before you. I have been hard-hearted before you. I have been lukewarm before you. And I no longer want to walk this way. I want the love that pastor's talking about to overflow in my heart. And he will come. And he will redeem you. He will change you. He will give you a passion in your heart for himself. And as you read the scriptures, they will come alive to you. As you turn away from all wickedness, as you turn away from the social media, you turn away from the television, you turn away from the gambling, you turn away from every relationship that is of darkness that draws you down into darkness. You cut it off. say, Lord, I am yours, and you are mine. Please save me, and he will come in mighty power, and he will save your soul. Again, for Jesus, This is all very, very personal. And Pilgrim, the story continues, after Christian had traveled in this disturbing condition for some time, he thought he heard the voice of a man going before him saying, Though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Psalm 23. Then Christian was glad and for good reason, for one Christian believed For once, Christian believed that someone who feared God was in the valley with him. His heart was comforted. This is not a walk to walk alone. My heart is so encouraged by other people who confess Jesus and who express their love openly and unashamedly. My heart is so encouraged with Others who don't care what the world says about them. All they care about is their Lord and their Savior and their brother and their sister who's walking with them. Don't walk this path alone. Walk it with another person who loves Jesus. Almighty God, Lord Jesus, 
love you with all my heart. And I have shared your word today with my brothers and sisters, and I ask for the miracle necessary in every heart to increase their love for you. And I ask that you would manifest yourself to them in their circumstances, in their reading of the scriptures, in their walking with brothers and sisters who also love you. Lord, I ask that you would come and be very close, even as you have been with me this week. Lord, come very close. Fill the hearts of my brothers and sisters with an urgency to get clean before you by your blood, to repent of their sin, to seek your face, to cry out before you, to take a day of fasting and prayer, to be in your presence. Lord, don't let them be caught up with money. Don't let them be caught up with all the social media, with all of the wicked things that are in this world. Lord, every distraction has come on the smorgasbord of the devil to pull us away from you. Lord God, call after your people today. Call after sinners today. Lord Jesus, call after sinners today and redeem them by your shed blood, Jesus. Don't let religious rituals get in the way. Don't let what we've been taught get in the way. Lord, call us into the scriptures that we could be taught by the Holy Spirit. I pray in your holy name. Amen. Well, you've been listening to Pilgrim's Progress. I thank you for joining me for this broadcast today. I pray you've heard my heart and that you'll search after Jesus, that you won't be satisfied with anything less than being righteous in Jesus, changed, transformed into a new person. Thank you. I love you. I want Jesus to come and meet you and to carry you as he is me. Now again, next week, I'm going to take the entire week off. I'm going to go away on retreat, a time of fasting and prayer and searching after Jesus regarding this radio broadcast. I'll listen to what he says. We're still more than $1,000 short. I'm praying that we will be delivered, and I'm going to cry out to God about that next week. I also have very personal issues I have to get settled with the Lord. Not sin issues, direction issues. I also am going to be crying out about the National Prayer Chapel because I believe now has come the time for it to be rebuilt. It's being restructured by precious brothers and sisters even now. I'm appointing elders, three elders for the church. They're godly men who stand shoulder to shoulder with me, they and their wives. Please pray for me this next week as I search after Jesus and I wait before him for very specific direction. Now today, if you'd like to help cover this $1,000 plus, 
go to our webpage, nationalprayerchapel.com, and give online. Just click on the donate button and do what Jesus tells you. Or if you would like to write to me, I'd love to go to the post office and find your letter. And I'll rejoice. As I go to that post office box every day, you know what I do? I say, Lord, I thank you for what's there and I thank you for what's not there. For I know you're in charge and I praise you and I wait upon you. You can write to me at the National Prayer Chapel, Post Office Box 2346, Woodbridge, Virginia, 22195. My heart is so encouraged by the many of you who've already given this last month and who have given to cover last month's bill. We're almost there, but we were pushing right dollars and cents from $4,000 this month for last month for January. We pay by the broadcast day. So write to me, the National Prayer Chapel, Post Office Box 2346, Woodbridge, Virginia, 22195, and make your check out to National Prayer Chapel, and just mark it, Pilgrim's Progress. My brother, my sister, we're out of time. I rejoice in the time we've been able to spend together. God bless you. I'll talk to you soon. of his glory with great joy.